0: hello and welcome to the modern maker podcast today is thursday september 6th 2018 otherwise known as national fight procrastination day how do you guys fight procrastination
1: i thought you meant like procrastinating like a fight like how oh, i'm gonna go beat <laughs> yeah. this guy up I- <laughs> but let- hang I mean, on let me get a sandwich first do it tomorrow
0: <laughs> actually i want to play this new gran turismo track that came yeah. out
1: um fighting procrastination well i think it's just manufacturing urgency right Is, isn't that the thing
2: i think it's just the, you just get up and do it man yeah unless there's not natural urgency in place already like a timeline or something
1: yeah i guess it's really like fighting if, if you were completely free of procrastination like what kind of personality would or like what kind of person would you be you'd be a person that could and that could remember from past experiences and remember like the stress and anxiety and the misery of like being behind and feeling like you're not going to make it and apply that in real time so that you stay on top of things and avoid that feeling in the in the future. So it might just be like a really having a really good memory for your emotional states of distress that uh, stress from being late causes.
2: Yeah, post traumatic procrastination disorder.
1: <laughs>
0: PTP.
2: Yeah. <laughs>
1: well, it, it's funny because I mean, not just to jump right into things, but Home Depot sending like a big camera crew out here in like a week or so. To, to film the tiny house, and it's not quite done.
0: How many times have they had a whole camera crew out there, or is this the first time?
1: They had a whole scouting crew, so just the crew to scout out the shoot was <laughs> over 12 people.
0: But they never had shot anything at that point?
1: No, that was just to get ready to shoot it. So it's like wow. a... It's, it's not just camera. I mean, they're doing video, still images. It'll probably be like 30 to 40 people. So it's a real production crew coming to, to film the finished thing.
2: Yeah, Chris, you can't shoot video with 12 people. What were you thinking? You
0: need at least a baker's dozen, 13. Exactly. <laughs> One to hold the
1: camera. There's a whole guy dedicated just to figuring out the generator situation. Another guy f- just figuring out like water and craft services and all this stuff. So... Uh, that's making it really stressful because, you know, I have to finish everything for this day. Now, this wasn't the case of procrastination. This project has been like my primary focus this entire year. Ever since I bought the land, I've been, you know, I, I don't really see too many ways where I was like, hey, let's do some fun stuff and, and not, not progress whatever needs to be done. Right. But I can't think of anything worse than that feeling of sort of like impending doom of like not meeting a deadline. Um, so I think that's normally pretty good at keeping me from procrastinating.
2: What about you, Chris? How do you keep from procrastinating? Just get up and do the motherfucking thing. Wow, Aggressive. we got our first f bomb from Chris, episode one hundred and six. On yeah,
1: you must be wearing those Timberland pros with all that, <laughs> yeah. with all that manly swagger that's coming out of you.
2: Yeah, let's get the backstory on that one, Chris. So, Ben, give us give us the intro to what's happening here.
1: Okay, so uh i'm scrolling through instagram and i just see this like pretty jacked looking <laughs> dude wearing slightly baggy work pants and has like a sledgehammer over his shoulder just paul bunioning the the shit out of life i was like wait that's chris <laughs> it's photoshopped chris and i immediately i'm like mike did you see the post chris did <laughs> yeah we, we had to check. That. that was awesome did, what, did you Photoshop things to make yeah. it you appear like oh, yes. a? But like it was just subtle enough where it didn't look like I had yeah, to like really somebody, look twice.
0: Somebody could feasibly be that strong, just not me. <laughs> just- what did
1: Dolores say about all that?
0: Oh, she likes us. She likes us skinny dudes.
2: Oh yeah, beefy Chris yeah. wasn't on the menu.
0: <laughs> no, vegetarian ah dang <laughs> that's really
1: funny did that post get a lot of uh, comments and engagement uh, people, yeah, people, pick up?
0: people think it's pretty funny like they've been getting a kick out of it and that's kind of my mentality with any of that stuff like you know obviously we have to do uh, you know, sponsored things to make a living at this but I like to still try to have fun with it like you know I could have just honestly like I could have spent a quarter of the time that it took me to produce that and gotten paid the same and just you know put it out there real quick yeah there's nothing wrong with that but if i I figure if i'm gonna do it like i'm gonna have fun with it and try to put a little crisp flavor onto it and you know the people that enjoy that kind of stuff will enjoy it uh, yeah no just make it something that can still be enjoyable even if you're not in the market for timberlands you can at least like look at the picture and and get a chuckle out of it
2: you know what we're gonna have to do some stuff like that in the future ben photoshopping well, maybe not Photoshopping, but we gotta get we gotta get creative with some ad placement.
1: Well, I think we're gonna do it with some of the smart home stuff that we have to do mm. and involve the Gary's with some maybe some motion sensors and cameras and stuff like that.
0: That's one of the uh the beauty parts of Maker Brand too is that like, you know, as we haven't really done any advertising, it's all just been like announcing that it's launched or whatever, but once we do get to that point, we can be more creative and we don't really have to answer to anybody but ourselves with
2: it. That's true. Yeah. There's no agency telling us that we can't do this or that. Right. Awesome. Well, what have you been working on, Chris? What's up with your world?
0: Oh, man. You don't want to know? No, just joking. Uh, let's see. Last last weekend, I did some uh, demo. You know, I'm not a big demo guy, but it was a very organized demo for uh-huh. the
2: garage. So I started... Oh, you're doing the pro- You're doing it for real. Starting.
0: Yeah, like at least phase one of it. I think it's going to be kind
2: of three phases, three small phases. Yeah. Give us this the short backstory.
0: Okay, so essentially, I'm outgrowing my garage. I'm gonna be there for a while, so I need to do something to make it a more livable, workable space. Because it just seems like with every project, like there's more and more in there, and I'm I'm slowly squeezing myself out. Yeah. So, decided to I rented a dumpster last weekend and I ripped out. If you, like the main shot that you see of my garage in all the videos is that wall behind me, and there's kind of starting about like six feet off the ground, there's a storage area. So from six feet off the ground to the roof, like a little loft storage thing, whatever. It was nice to store things if you have a normal garage where, you know, you're putting the Christmas tree up there or whatever. But um, it doesn't really work that well for woodworking because you tend to have like a lot of smaller things that you need to store. And then the big things are like machines that need to be on the ground. So it just wasn't really working for me. And I'd lived with it for a while. And I was like, okay, I'm going to go ahead and actually do this. So I ripped it all out got the dumpster, filled it up. Nice. Um, And so right now, and so that's why I say it's kind of like a small demo thing and I'm doing it in three phases is because I am going to probably make some content out of it. I'm not 100% sure yet. Like I filmed it just in case. Yep. But I know that I'm going to have to be working on other projects throughout this entire thing. So I'm trying to make it as undisruptive as possible. So... So far, it's actually been pretty good because I was able to get rid of a decent amount of things. I was able to kind of put some stuff in our storage shed that, you know, the stuff that I don't need to grab day in and day out or whatever. And like, it already feels way bigger in there, just like visually being able to see all the way up on that wall. So I think the next thing that I'm going to do is, I mean, it's basically, I'm just going to like sheathe the wall in wood so that I can screw things to it anywhere and start just like organizing hand you know measuring devices and clamps and all that kind of stuff on that wall and do like a big plywood slash lumber storage area but I was trying to think of ways to make it more visually interesting since that's going to be or since it's what it's the main thing that you see in the background of all my shots So I'm thinking maybe like some kind of geometric pattern where there's space in between the wood that's on the wall I haven't really drawn anything out yet but that's my initial idea so hopefully make the workspace a lot more livable for me and help help me squeeze out a a couple extra years from the
2: space that would be really cool so you're thinking a cnc pattern
0: i'll probably do it hand cut just because i'm thinking big simple you know it'll be geometric where the pieces will kind of fit together and be something that would look cnc-ish but it should be simple enough that like you could just do it with a, a circular saw or a table saw or whatever just kind of cutting angles that will correspond to one another
2: i like that that's a really cool idea what about you ben how have you been uh holding up this week on the shipping container project
1: I'm surviving. This week has just been a blur of activity. Not just me, but there's been multiple construction crews sort of helping out with all the different parts of the building. So I think at any given time, there's probably about eight to ten people working on the job site. I, oh, I know I was going to say. I learned how to, to operate an excavator.
0: Oh, yeah. <laughs> so you having some fun with that.
1: Right. So you can rent for about I think about 200 to $250 a day you can rent a mini excavator we rented one from a brand called Kubota we just got it from Home Depot but Kubota is the brand of that makes like tractors and these like little excavation machines so it looks like a little mini t-rex it's got the little backhoe arm and it's got a little bulldozer function and it has like you know most importantly I think is that it has like tank tracks because I've never driven anything that had tracks on it only things would have wheels so that was fun And I use it to dig a bunch of trenches that we're gonna lay the refrigeration lines for the HVAC system. So because the container house is actually a series of little boxes that are disconnected, we don't need to have a separate condenser for each unit. We can get a big condenser, which is more efficient, and then have it power multiple outlets that distribute cool air or warm air, uh, depending on the season. So I dug these trenches about 24 inches, and, yeah, it's kind of like a combination of playing a video game or operating one of those cranes that picks up like a stuffed animal uh, prize yeah. from a, a thing. The claw. So you're, it, it's two joysticks. So it's left-hand and right-hand joysticks. And they each one operates different parts of the, the crane and the scoop. So I think what was most important, though, is that before... <laughs> this is the good thing about having a sense of urgency, is that... You just have to go for it and can't overthink things. So I've always thought, oh, you know, I've really wanted to learn how to do that, but maybe I should take a class or watch a bunch of videos or do my internet research. But that gets procrastinated because there's no sense of urgency. This ditch needed to be dug. There was other people doing Everyone else was busy that knew how to operate the machine. So it was either put it off or <laughs> learn on the fly.
2: Yeah, and plus you have it rented for a certain set of days. So you got to make use while you have it.
1: Exactly, right? So you're paying that much a day. You might as well get a lot of use out of of the machine. So it, it really drove that sense of urgency that just made me jump in and do it. And then because that happened, now I realize it's not really that hard. It's not that scary. So just go for it, do it. And now I know how to use it relatively well. And that opens up so many possibilities. So now I'm thinking like, ooh, could I do my own swimming pool? Because now I know how to do the excavation. <laughs> I know where I can rent the machine. I know how to use it. I feel like I'm pretty accurate. I was able to turn off the button for, or hit the button on a GoPro for it. I saw that. Uh, yeah, it, yeah, it kind of sunk the tripod into the dirt a little bit. <laughs> a little. <laughs> yeah. GoPros. Yeah, my, my dexterity with the Kubota is about the dexterity of like a three-year-old. Right, like everything's done, kind of like heavy fisted, and like kind of like punches, and and, and like kind of a jerky motion, but totally. can still like have some dexterity. But yeah, it's 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 getting done. So just you know, keep an eye on the Instagram stories, and I'm keeping everybody pretty up to date with all the all the th- the the crazy things happening. I did something the other day. I get a lot of requests for people that say, "Oh, can I shadow you, or can I be your intern?" And oh, yeah. I, I appreciate the offers of help. Like if you're sincerely interested in helping, yeah, feel free to hit me up. Uh, we actually had uh, two people come out this weekend. Uh, ben Paik from Wobi Design, yep. came out for Saturday. Just came out for the day from LA, and then Joel uh, Greason, and I'll I'll give out his uh, Instagram later during my obsessions. He came out and for the whole weekend and uh, just kicked ass on the job site. He crushed it. Yeah, just got a ton of work done. Dude's a tank, just awesome attitude. Just he said, Oh, what do you need done? Okay, you need to make a bunch of forms for papers. All right, I'll knock those out. Comes back to me like four hours later. Didn't take a break. And it's like, Okay, what's next? And I was like, Oh, that's 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 amazing. But anyway, so I get a lot of these requests about people wanting to shadow or help or intern. And I in the past I've I've taken people up on that offer, but I find that sometimes people just want to have coffee and beers with you all day mm-hmm. and not actually work and actually end up the, the the net effect of them being around you is that you get less work done with their help than you would have by yourself. Right. Um, and that's not because they're bad people or anything. It just is the, the way things sometimes play out. So I thought, okay, I got like a whole bunch of those requests in a single day. So I'm like, let me just show you why you you may not actually want to do what you think you want. So I just documented what a very typical day was working on the container house, which is a lot of stuff. It's a lot of unpleasant tasks, it's a lot of trips to Home Depot. It's it's, you know, a 14 to 16 hour workday. So that was kind of an interesting thing. Got a we got a really great response to it. Uh, did this all through Instagram stories, and it's now living as a highlight on my Instagram page. So, if you're curious about what a, a sort of a day in the life of this project looked like, uh, check out my Instagram and check out the highlights. A typical day.
2: Yeah, I really liked that little Instagram story for that day. It was a lot of slides, and normally when I see a lot of slides, I get nervous to like watch them all the way through because you know you're in you're in for like a real a real thing, but. Mm-hmm. Dude, it was awesome. I want you to do more of those. I feel like if everybody did those, they'd be awesome. It should be just a whole hashtag for it.
0: Should be a national, a day in the life of. Right. <laughs> Maybe that's what a September what 13th will be.
2: Yeah. But anyways, I wanted to go back to when you were talking about drywall, Ben. I think I mentioned before, whenever I was young, my parents built their house, and that was one of the things that they contracted contra- out the labor on. Most of the framing, cabinetry, all that kind of stuff they did themselves. But drywall, uh what they basically explained to me was the amount of time you save by hiring the drywall crew, you end up actually saving money in the long term if you're not experienced at doing it. Uh, just because you're going to take a lot longer, you're going to waste a lot more material messing up, and you're end product is probably not even going to be as good as the contractors would be, you know, in that case, since they do it all the time. What's, what did you find doing that? Cause I'm curious.
1: I haven't gotten the final invoice from them yet, so I don't have all the, the financial numbers, but I would say my experience is consistent with what your parents described. They hung all the drywall for the, the two living, you know, the, the two main containers that are going to have all the living spaces in like two and a half, three hours, their average there's there's four guys on the crew, and w- just watching what how they even the way they would just sort of measure, go right from the measure to they cut things while the panels are vertical, leaning against walls. Right, I, I my tendency would be oh if I gotta cut something I gotta lay it down flat and then measure and do that. So that step alone of not needing that much floor space to like cut and operate is a huge. Time saver, right there. Big time. Not yeah. to mention a space saver from you know cluttering up the whole job site with all these sort of flat you know sheets that are down. That are down. I think they could. They were honestly doing it about six to eight times faster than what I could do. And also because they do it so often, I think I would get more physically fatigued from, especially on the ceiling stuff. Like a four foot by eight foot sheet of drywall is not light, and one guy is doing that, and they have their screw gun in their holster in their tool belt, and they're kind of balancing the drywall sheets on their head, press it up with one hand, and then using the screw gun with the other hand to do that.
2: Dang. Jeez. And it's one guy putting up a whole piece or two guys?
1: Uh, some of the guys were doing it two at a time, but a couple, the other two guys were doing it uh, by themselves.
2: That's impressive. That's really cool.
1: So that I like, definitely could have done. And even if me and you were doing it, Mike, it would have been... We would have done it, but it would have been slow. And you guys would be doing it, it right now.
2: It would have been funnier. It would have been a little bit of a shit show, I'm sure, but it would have been funny at least, yeah.
1: Yeah, so that that kind of thing, the things, even the, the framing, I work with 2x4s all the time, but I, I we're so used to using screws for a lot of the stuff we do. Mm-hmm. And seeing how fast those guys are with nail guns and just seeing their disregard for a certain amount of sloppiness because it doesn't matter because it's hidden behind something else yeah, is – you know, I, I don't have that same disregard. So I, it would make me a lot of slow. So I'd say the things I'm really glad I outsourced are the concrete work for the foundations, the framing, and
0: the drywall.
2: Yeah, I like that. Mike, what have you been working on? Well, on the theme of procrastination, I've been working on all of the projects for the Gary V offices in LA. I booked movers <laughs> for Friday morning to pick everything up, which means my conference table, Ben's conference table, and the desk that we're building. All three need to be ready, packed, to go out the door. So the clock is kind of ticking on those, and I am working on the desk now, which is a pretty fun project. Uh, this past week, I released a pour-over coffee station, and that used 8th inch thick plate steel and oak. And I really ended up liking the contrast between the two uh, materials. It was They just look really nice together. And my plans initially for that project was to even paint the metal white, just to make it a little more sleek. But once I had it all put together... I just decided, you know what, screw it. I'm not painting it and kept it that way. And so moving on to the next project, which is the desk I'm currently building, I kept that in mind. I realized plate metal and oak look really nice, so that's what I'm going with. I made a double-thick layer plywood top, and then I created a steel-bending jig out of some plywood and angle steel so that I could make a raised monitor stand out of eighth-inch plate steel. Essentially, I get a long piece of metal and then make two grooves so that I can then bend them 90 degrees. And that gives me a raised portion that I can use to uh, basically screw it onto the sides of the tabletop and then edge band around Mm -hmm. everything, and it looks really clean. Nice. I'm calling this a new series called Making Tools with Less Tools, or Without a Lot of Tools, maybe. But the idea is just make jigs and shop things, but not use a ton of tools to make them. Uh, so I think a lot of people having seen Ben's videos, my videos are interested in working with metal a little bit more. I get a lot of DMs of people saying that, but bending the metal is kind of intimidating, even though really all you need is an angle grinder to cut the pieces and to create the grooves. So I wanted to show how to make a really simple, basic bending jig so that you can make good 90 degree corners. Mm -hmm. It's a really functional, simple jig, and it doesn't take up a lot of space when you store it. It's basically just a platform of a couple of sheets of plywood with a piece of angle steel uh, outside of that, a little bit of hardware. So that video will be coming out in the coming weeks, along with the desk and more episodes of making tools with a few tools. We need to figure out a title for that.
0: Is that, yeah, that the official name? What do you think the title
2: for that could be, Chris? You're good at that <laughs> kind of stuff.
0: So, so far you got making tools with a few
2: tools? Yeah. Or making tools without a lot of tools. <laughs> And it's just me and you standing there? <laughs> About uh, tools. <laughs> the only tools here are me and you, ben. As you
0: say, yeah, tools made by tools made by tools.
2: <laughs> so yeah, you guys I, I can like be the that. tools making... To- Wait, hang on. I don't know. I lost, yeah, it's a, it's I lost a tongue my twister. train of thought. It's there somewhere in the ether. We'll, we'll grab it. It'll be there. It might be yeah, something
1: more like the Deserted Island series, right? Like it, you, you might go more concept rather than word-specific making more with just making more with less.
2: Yeah, exactly. A lot of people make a lot of jig videos. And that's that's awesome. I love watching them. But sometimes you're making a really simple jig out of a lot of really expensive, complicated tools. So
0: that's all. That's all no hate. It's all love. All right. So we got it. We're trying to figure out what we want to talk about today.
2: And there was something very topical that happened this past week.
0: Yeah, it hit us. I think we might have glossed over it last week. I think Ben was trying to lay low on us.
2: That's exactly it. He tried to skirt under the radar. But we're going to call him out. Dun-dun-dun-dun! He's an old man. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Big,
1: big numerical milestone, and nothing related to YouTube or that. I turned 40 on... August 22nd. Did it feel like anything? No, it felt like another day of work.
0: <laughs> you were just worked right through it, right?
1: Yeah. The My parents came out the for a little bit on the, the weekend after, and we had a little bit of a barbecue. But um, for the actual... I'm, I'm not a big birthday person in general. Yeah. Actually, I don't, I don't know anyone that says, like, I'm a big birthday person. Like, celebrate me on the day I was born.
2: It's my birthday month. Mm, man, that kills me. I hate it so much. <laughs> One twelfth of the year i'm celebrating my
0: birthday
1: (laughs) so yeah yeah i turned 40 which still feels surreal i don't know anyone that says that they feel like as old as they are like i think everyone that i talked to in my friends group always says that it feels like it creeps up on them
0: you know i find that i've always felt the same age like now that i'm what am i 37 and when i was five and when i was 23 and whatever age i was i always just felt like i was the same age I've never felt old or young. Such a youthful spirit. That's right. No, I mean, I've always felt 93, though. Oh, okay. <laughs> that's,
1: the, that's the same age I've always The way I would describe it is, my. I think, for me, and I think this might be true for most people, that your internal dialogue, right, like your internal monologue that you have to yourself, like the way you see out through your own two eyes, mm-hmm. that stays the same. Like, I, I look at the world and sort of, have these internal conversations the same way now as I did when I was like ten. The only thing that that changes is like taste, energy levels, uh, experience. So the only times I feel old is well. Here's a great example. We could be talking about like ideas of things that we want to do with maker brand product placement mm-hmm. plug. <laughs> um, and Mike will come up with, like like just spit out like three or four really cool ideas. And when I was Mike's age, my my reaction would be like, that's awesome, let's do it. As an old man, my reaction is immediately thinking of all the times that I've tried to do things like that or that were parallel to those things and how they didn't always go, what's wrong? So the part of me that actually engages with the idea that he's putting forward is exactly the same now as it was when I was 23. What's different is just the, the filters, the, the, the layers and yeah. layers of experience that are just being like, oh, what, wait, wait, you forgot about this. Yeah. And well, you know, fulfillment's harder for that than you would think. And that's a good idea, but it'll be really hard for it to be consistently that precise. So, but the feeling, the, the, the emotional reaction, the enthusiasm, and the, the interest is the same. That doesn't go away. It's just, it's just immediately tempered by a whole lot of experiences.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, I think that yeah, it has less to do with the fact that you're a certain age, and more to do with just that because you're that age, you've experienced more things, and those experiences are shaping your reaction to it.
2: Is this a long way of saying that you've become jaded? Well, you you can't go
1: backwards, obviously. I mean, I mean, well, maybe one day I'll experiment with like TRT and HGH <laughs> and all the all the perfor- all the PEDs and the stem cells and all that Getting all that again. kind of good stuff but i think for for young people you can go forward in terms of packing in more experiences when i first sort of got the idea that the more i experience and the more things i try the the better my judgment will be is when i actively tried to accelerate things with like making sure that i was traveling more saying yes to things that were totally different than what i had done before and i think that's that's that accumulation of a whole lot of weird and random experiences and adventures has has I don't want to say made me the person I am today but it's certainly given me a perspective that is separate from age um so I think you can you, you can't go back but you can speed up your acceleration forward
0: I got a go. question so and we can talk about this or not would you say that you've had a like happiest age of your life or time period of your life mm,
1: it's all been pretty good i think there's been i think it's all been good i can tell you the the hardest time the hardest time was i think like around 2007 mm-hmm. uh 2007 2008 when i was doing my my tech company and it was because of the like economy or yeah, the economy crashing and going from thinking you know i, I think i've talked about it a little bit before but it was the cra- it was it was a sugar crash of of my life right where i went from the exhilaration of pitching to investors and having them tell me that my idea was worth millions of dollars and here's a here's big checks for mm-hmm. just a powerpoint and what was even what we thought was more impressive about that is normally for the kind of company we were starting you would need to have a demo or a viable product We literally raised a shit ton of money just on a PowerPoint. Just, here's our idea. We won a bunch of business plan competitions. And so that was the sugar high, right? It was that that exhilaration from the feeling of achievement when you haven't actually accomplished anything. All you've really done is got people to agree that you have an idea. But an idea isn't an accomplishment. It's Mm -hmm. all it is. It's it's worthless until you do the work. And then we started and did the work, and we did a lot of it, and then... Just as things were starting to go good, the economy crashed and the fund that was funding us uh, went under, which means we lost a lot of the money that was sort of promised to us that we had sort of built our business plan around. And so that, that, that sharp uh, adjustment from feeling like you're just killing it, you're super smart, this, this huge sugar rush to just all of a sudden realizing, you know what, I'm not really in control, was uh, hard to deal with in the moment. Um, but in retrospect, it's made me so much more cautious and thankfully, uh, it hasn't made me too risk adverse where I haven't done anything else that's entrepreneurial. And I think that's, that's the other sort of trick is if if you, if you take a lot of risks and you do a lot of entrepreneurial things, you're going to have some losses under your belt. Mm -hmm. It's extracting from that loss, uh, value without it causing you never to try anything again, I think is the sort of key.
2: So how does, out of curiosity, because I was, in 2008, I wasn't in the working oh, field, right? <laughs> yeah, I was young. And so how did an economic input pack that affects your business, how is that different than kind of a creative decision affecting your business? Like something that's completely out of your control and it's just kind of, I guess, economy wide?
1: So it, to, to sort of relate it to what you're doing now is in 2008 advertising budgets basically disappeared
0: mm-hmm.
1: like completely in the construction industry which was our main thing so that could happen again like if there's another yep. you know big downturn advertising budgets are normally one of the first things that companies trim so like let's say you were you know you're planning out your you're planning out your year, mic and you're being like okay in 2018 and 2017, I made this much money. So 2019, I'm probably going to make this much money. So that means I can expand. I'm going to take out a lease for a big maker space. I'm going to buy a house and start building some equity and some credit because I'm a I'm ahead of the game as a young adult. So let's say you did those two things and you added, you know, which would be totally reasonable given how well you're doing, and you 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 upped your expenses to. You know, by about $3,000 a month for the the lease of the makerspace and your mortgage. And then you also have to get homeowner's insurance and pay a few more bills and all those things. Doing adult shit. Right. So you've increased your your expenditure to that, but you feel comfortable with it because in 2018 and 2017, you easily made enough money to cover that. Mm. The economy crashes and everyone puts their advertising budgets on hold. And all of a sudden, you know, you still are going to get good view numbers because people aren't going to stop watching YouTube but all of a sudden the the CPMs go down because advertisers are spending less money and then uh and the branded deals go, sort of go away and they can go away by a lot and it's a while before they come back and what people might do is they might slash their entire budget for the year so it might be all of 2019 all of a sudden you're at 25 to 30 percent of the income that you thought at the beginning of the year but you signed year-long leases for your makerspace and you signed a 30-year mortgage
2: yeah and that's funny because a couple episodes we were talking about the breakdown of our individual incomes with our channels and branded content and integrations are such a strong key of like what we do
1: yeah right and th- those can easily disappear in a, in a bad economy the at, on the flip side right you don't want to get so cautious that you're afraid to 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 grow. That you're not reinvesting the money you're making into things. So it's it, it's a really tricky thing of how to be not overextended, so that you're you're safe from downturn, but not so conservative that you're not growing fast enough because you're not deploying your capital with enough risk, so that you're taking big leaps forward rather than just sort of incrementally, you know, eking along.
2: Right.
0: Yeah. Mike, the way that you asked the question, so if it was you making a bad decision, or not even a bad decision, just you made a decision that impacted your business negatively, negatively. I think the difference there is that you can always undo that decision in a way, most of the time, mm. where you can kind of go back to doing what you know works. And you know maybe you lost a little bit of time, maybe you lost a little goodwill or whatever, but you can kind of get back there. Whereas when the economy goes... Like you were saying, it's things out of your control. And that doesn't mean that you can't improve your situation, but it it would be that instead of going back to what you know works, it would be that what you know works doesn't work anymore. And so yeah. now you're going to have to do new things to work in that situation. Now, I mean, there's probably a good chance that, you know, we, we could be heading for another crash. Like if you just look at it cyclically, we've had like, I don't know what, eight years of of good times the past eight years so do you guys think about that much like how it would impact you business wise
2: well i've thought about it a little bit but maybe maybe on an upside if companies don't have as big of a budget maybe they're a little more careful with where they spend their money and influencer marketing compared to traditional stuff does tend to have higher returns so it could be a good thing in relation for us
0: like we're an alternative good to that so it could be the yeah. in a way i mean obviously this is all speculation but yeah it could be kind of the straw that breaks the camel's back in terms of traditional advertising magazines maybe tv all that kind of stuff like it was funny we were watching something the other day and seven my son who's 5 years old sitting there watching it and a fixident commercial comes on and i'm like mm-hmm. okay this is why tv advertising is dead because you have a five year old <laughs> sitting here watching a Fix It commercial.
1: Yeah, the target is. <laughs> that targeted? The target is pretty off, lame.
0: little off. I mean, he has lost a couple teeth, but still.
1: I wonder what a Fix It would also be good for gluing.
0: Ooh, next challenge. The the Fix It <laughs>
1: Right? It's a food grade, probably, I'm guessing, I a food hope grade
2: so. yeah, I would put adhesive in your mouth.
1: that works well in a moist environment. And, uh,
2: <laughs> we'll all works. make wooden grills. <laughs> You can like put it in your mouth, right? Yeah, <laughs> the George Washington challenge.
0: There
1: no. we go. I, I think it just it, it just speaks to the need to diversify financially, and the the thing that I hear the most that people in our space do is focus too much on YouTube, like even calling themselves a YouTuber or thinking that way. Um, I think the safe part of what we do is that we produce the even in an economic downturn, people aren't going to keep consuming content. So
2: You mean they're not going, they're to, going stop to stop consuming right. content. Right. Yeah.
1: People are still going to watch stuff. Being able to produce that stuff in a cost efficient way is is really valuable. And that might so like let's say advertising money goes down. That might be the time where you market yourselves as a video production that focuses on this specific area of DIY, woodworking, furniture, interior decor, modern design, those areas.
2: Just become a production house.
1: Right. So, it's not like you go have to go out and like plan for the thing. Don't, you know, pack your survival kit now. But even just having that that conversation with yourself, what would I do in that thing? And I like playing out worst-case scenarios. And it just just so it, it, it stretches out my mind just a little bit and creates sort of a – plants a flag. And now I have that – I have a, a rough solution so that when crisis happens, it's not the first time I've thought about it. I might not have come to a useful conclusion, but at least I've thought about it. Like I think it's like the, the thing with like bears, what to do when a bear chases you or attacks you. I've heard that you should like make yourself big and stand still and yell. I've heard that you should, you know, lie down and play dead. And I've heard that both of those answers are wrong. But I think what probably is more important is that you have a rough idea so that you're not indecisive.
2: Yeah, you have to be able to react. Right. If you do nothing, there's a 100% chance you're going to get eaten. If you have the choice between being big or pretending to be dead, 50-50. Take You, one. Just, you just immediately just doubled your chances of living. <laughs> same, same with business, Infinite. I would imagine, right? And like what you're saying, the more you can go through those kind of scenarios, you're like more prepared to react even, even if you're not actually doing it, but you're, you're mentally prepared to kind of go through that thought process more naturally and not maybe freak out in a moment.
1: So, I mean, not to be too paranoid about the impending apocalypse, but are, what kind of things do you guys react to in terms of fearfulness? And what kind of things do you just totally say, ah, not worried about it? No big deal just going about my day-to-day thing, like what what are the precautions you, you do take in your lifestyle planning?
2: So I'm pretty open to going for ideas when it comes to business decisions, whether it's making maker brand or, you know, doing different types of content and things like that. But the one thing that I've been really slow to incorporate is like outsourcing any part of the process. So having a video editor, having someone maintain my website or any of those things, I've I still do you know, all the filming, all the editing, and all of that, mm-hmm. and I know there's a lot of work that could be done by someone else and probably be 99% as good. I like the way I edit videos, and so that's one of the reasons that I've had a hard time letting it go is thinking that my editing is some kind of secret sauce or my filming or something along those lines, and I guess that's not a business decision more of more than a creative decision, but I guess there is a lot of overlap in that respect. So, Chris, do you think about that? I mean, I know Dolores helps you with some stuff. So that's great. You have somebody that's your wife. So that's a really easy open line of communication. You guys know each other really well. And then from Ben's perspective, I know you do that a little bit. And so I would love to hear both ends of it. I mean, in my ideal
0: situation, I would love to bring her more and more into the business as mm-hmm. you know the kids get older and, and she has more time to dedicate to it. I always look at the... The two things that I feel like, okay, obviously the one thing that I could never outsource would be building things. You know, you could collaborate, I guess, but you'd never just be like, oh, I'm not going to be on camera building anymore. Right. Although <laughs> I guess technically you could if you turned into like you host, like if it was like a uh, diners driving and dives uh, format of a show or I mean, I yeah, would all you go need around a basically shirt. just kind of somebody 's building something, maybe you like jump in here and there, lend a hand, but you 're just kind of like talking to them about their process there's I guess there is that possibility, but anyway, to go back to what I was saying, I think the two things would be building the things and editing the videos and kind of like what you were saying, like I think editing is just such a big part of it, especially for the style that we do, like a lot of the ideas that I have, actually to go back to last week, the whole like you know pivoting and how you That's actually where I get more creative and pivot more is in editing than in building. In building, I'm just like, everything's nailed down. When I go to edit, sometimes I have like some ideas here and there, but like a lot of it just kind of comes like, oh, that'd be funny if I did this right here. Oh, I should Mm -hmm. try doing this with this footage, whatever. You know, that's where I'm actually more fluid. Um, So those, I I do think of those as the two things that like are just Mm -hmm. have to be locked in, have to be me.
1: For me financially, the risks I take I try to find things that have medium upside, but a low floor, a low threshold for failure. So -hmm. that's why I like doing real estate deals and then putting my, you know, my savings into real estate projects that even if they go really, really terribly, I can always sell them and maybe I lose like 10%. So you can't lose all of your money. But then traditional real estate projects, if you're just flipping houses in a very uncreative generic way there's upside, but it's not, it's not like five or 10 X upside. Like if you invest in a tech startup or, you know, early into something that's, that's going to be really big. So the investments I like are ones that, uh, where I can, one, I can provide something that improves the likelihood of succeeding. And that's why I like real estate. Cause I can use my design background to try to try to Im- improve it a little bit. So, I'm always looking for the real estate investments where I can kind of like three X my money over like five, five years or so. Um, and I don't mean necessarily money in terms of cash. It might be in terms of equity. There is risk, but the risk isn't losing all of the investment. The risk is losing, you know, a part of the investment. Um, the part where I'm not very conservative on is like deploying capital. I like to keep the money that I've made working for me, um, so I've always invested in you know ever since uh, I had money after selling the the, the last company, um, I've always kept that money by either investing in tech companies, investing in real estate stuff, or investing other things. Now I tried to sort of diversify it and things like that. Or and anytime someone comes to me with a thing, I normally make decisions pretty quickly about it. So when like Maker Brand came up as an opportunity, I was like, "Yep, that sounds good. I'll write a check. I like this." I'm, I'm pretty cavalier about going towards things like that. Same thing when I invested in er- Ergo Kiwi, the, the company that makes those X-Acto knives. I saw the product, product's good, boom, here's a check. So I like to keep my money working for, which is, which is a little bit risky because there's always a risk with any investment. When I'm, when, I'm, when I'm debating that risk, I try to think about the risk of not doing anything with it too mm. and the risk of a missed opportunity.
0: You know what scares the hell out of me? Just like waking up one day and then going to log into YouTube or whatever and it's just like gone. <laughs> All the videos, gone, everything. just like, oh, I guess I'm starting from scratch.
2: What would you do, Chris? Five eyes. I'm starting five eyes. Sponsored by five guys. <laughs> would you put a googly eye in your, where a cyclops <laughs> yeah. would have an eye on your forehead? <laughs> it's my new logo. I'll just get the other one and just draw one eye above the glasses. Just, just a big googly eye too. I, w- <laughs> I think that would be really great.
0: It's a way to do it, man. Class it up. No, I mean, I honestly, so what I would do is I would, the good thing is I would still have all of my old footage (laughs) so I could put the videos back up. I would just basically have lost all the subscribers. You know, I would kind of hope that I could depend on the community and the relationships that I've built to this point to help, you know, those people get the word back out on me build up a little bit of momentum that way put the videos back out maybe there's some new people that never saw the old ones so they could see those and then just you know carry forward making new things but it would suck it would be pretty
2: (laughs) awful (laughs) absolutely well cool i think that was a very good podcast topic thank you to did someone send that in or did we just come up with that
0: i think we just kind of riffed into it oh wow thanks to us
2: fluid Awesome. Well, what are you guys obsessed with? If you guys need a moment, I can go ahead. Um, I think it's something that I have mentioned before, but since we've been talking a lot of you know maybe business or problem solution kind of stuff today, I have a podcast to suggest, and it is How I Built This from NPR. If you haven't listened to it and you're at all entrepreneurial or business-minded, I'm sure you will get a lot of good inspiration and kind of lessons from it. The three episodes that I would recommend, one – The guy that started Dyson Vacuums. I don't know what his first name is, but if you could imagine, his last name is Dyson. Mike. Uh, His episode was interesting in that he kind of became successful or got rich from his ideas at somewhere around 50, maybe mid-50s, something like that. Mm -hmm. He had a couple of ideas that were mildly successful, but he kind of went through a few different products and companies before he landed on the one that made him rich, you know, Dyson. So that was really cool to hear about um, kind of what we were talking about, reacting kind of to the market, what's working and what's not, and knowing when to kind of bail out if something isn't performing maybe like you want it to. The second one I would recommend is the guy that started Patagonia. It's great. They have a cool business motto, I guess, mission statement where it's just like making a good product, standing behind it, and marketing it in that way and kind of just letting... Letting the product speak for itself. So that was a really interesting one. And then the last that I would recommend is the episode with Mark Cuban. Yeah. Weirdly enough, I listened to that one and I thought, I'm always skeptical whenever it's either a social media or some kind of TV entrepreneur guy, because I think it's going to be very, you know, self-flattering and maybe kind of self Mm promoty. But Mark Cuban really does have an interesting come up story. He's a smart guy, and once again, on the topic of reacting to what's happening around you, uh, basically the way he got his money initially was starting a, a live streaming, kind of like online radio service mm-hmm. that eventually got bought by Yahoo. Not That's not a spoiler alert. There's a lot of other good info. Uh, basically, he did that before anyone else did, beat everyone to the punch, and made a lot of money for it. So really good three episodes if you're interested in that podcast those are great ones to start with nice. what about you chris have you listened to npr or I'm, I'm sorry have you listened to how i built this
0: i've not listened to that one i have listened to npr but i'll I'll definitely check it out
2: it's really good start
0: with the dave patagonia episode that's how i'm gonna say <laughs> that his name is pronounced
2: <laughs> it's definitely not dave
0: but eric patagonia um
2: yeah there we go i got
0: another music pick this week so nice. new album by i guess it'd be a person not a band. Named Mitski, M-I-T-S-K-I, I believe. Uh, the album is called Be the Cowboy. Very good. Mm. I, like it. I liked her last album a lot, and uh, this one did not disappoint.
2: Very nice. Is it a sophomore album?
0: No, I think it's her third or fourth.
2: Oh, okay. Mm. Senior or junior album. That's good. You've, like To be able to follow up, yeah. your follow-up is nice. Let alone just having a good sophomore album.
0: People are always, yeah, why is it always a sophomore album? They never call the first one the freshman or the uh, junior and senior. It's always just the second one sophomore.
2: But other
0: than that, it's just first, third, whatever.
2: Well, first you got debut. Oh, that's yeah, your debut. big That's your big keyword. Then you got one. your sophomore. Yeah, but the third and fourth, they kind of just like, end their next album. They should call it their, <laughs>
0: their hat trick album.
2: It yeah, should be there the, we go. Is hat trick three album. of something in soccer.
0: It's uh, three goals in hockey. I know that.
2: Oh, nice. Nice. Well, let's quit talking well, about I these one. sports that we don't know about.
1: What? So, well, I got to give mine, right? Do it. I thought, I thought Mike was going to go right into the outro. Uh, oh, no way, Jose. Okay. So, mine is <laughs> gone, Joel Greason, who I mentioned before, and his Instagram oh, yeah. is JDG.made. Uh, mm. Give him a follow. Very accomplished maker. Does some really cool stuff. All around awesome dude. And uh, just very appreciative and grateful for all the help that he gave over this uh, Labor Day weekend.
2: Absolutely. Joel was a really great guy. Shout out to Joel.
0: He's a guy that does not procrastinate to put a bow on the
2: episode. Also, shout out to you, the listener, the faithful, compassionate compadre that we've always been able to rely on to listen to these new episodes and give us feedback on iTunes with five-star reviews. What a segue. The only kind. All you got to do is go to the podcast app, find us, give us a review. Even in the comments, let us know what we're doing good, what we're doing bad. We read those, we see them. So thumbs up if you are somebody that has done that for us. We'd greatly appreciate it. It just lets the podcast app know that we're a good show and that it should suggest us to other listeners. If you haven't already, we are at Benjamin Ueda at Modern Builds and at Four Eyes Furniture on Instagram. Collectively, Modern Maker Podcast at Modern Maker Podcast. That is. Lastly. I'm gonna shout out Maker brand. We're at Makerbrand on Instagram. We just posted a really funny story uh, to that account, which we will put in the highlights. So check that out. The tractor that Ben was talking about earlier in the episode we exploded a few cans of foaming insulation with it, and it was very funny. So watch that and give it a follow. Thanks again, everybody, and we'll see you next time. No, we'll you'll hear us next time on the modern Maker podcast. Bye everybody. <laughs> we'll talk to you next time. <laughs> later bye all right there we go i'll edit this one chris it. it was a messy one
0: okay